Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is July 21st, 2021. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense. 45 minutes of unedited, unscripted, and so far, uncensored commentary on Canada's issues. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Hello, Canada. And how are you, my friend? Oh, you know, it's busy. Can't find any <laughs> employees because the government keeps paying people to stay home. So, you know, same problems every other small business owner's having. Yep, that is for sure. Yeah, that certainly is a national epidemic. And hopefully with the CERB or the recovery benefit does indeed get curtailed in September. Perhaps that will help them somewhat. Yeah, well, you know, and speaking of that, I don't think that the, uh, I don't think it will get extended beyond the end of September. And the only reason I say that is because I think that's when the election is going to happen. And then after the election, the liberals are going to be like, well, we don't need to uh, continue this for votes anymore. So they'll just let it run out. Yeah, that's true. All right, so Canada, we've got a great show for you today. And uh, for those of you who tuned in on our Sunday episode, thank you. Those who have not yet, please download it after you hear this show. So on the show today, the Woke Brigade marches on, election fever in Nova Scotia and elsewhere, the RCMP hot on Bill C-36, cool on gun buybacks, the Canadian border reopens, kind of, and there's more. Where do you want to start, my friend? Well, let's start with the RCMP and Bill C-36 and the uh, uh, the gun ban. Yeah, I thought it was kind of weird that they're, uh, they're really hot on one and then not on the other. Um, the news came out last week that the RCMP was actually very cool on the the gun buyback and i have to use the air fingers quotes when you say buyback because you and i are, are both firearms owners neither of us purchased our guns from the government so this isn't a buyback this is a somewhat compensated confiscation in yeah, my exactly. Opinion. yeah exactly uh, the whole buyback term is um I think designed specifically to uh, make it sound like um, guns are government property and they'll just compensate us for taking them back. And that's just not the case. And it's, uh, it's a, a poorly chosen word or it's a word that is chosen on purpose uh, just to portray that um that image that I think the government wants. Yeah, I think that's well said. And you had pointed out, I think a year or two ago, that there are only about, what is it, 2 million gun owners in Canada? Yeah, it's roughly 2 million gun owners, but there's roughly 20 million guns. Yeah, so I mean, the vast majority of Canadians, that term would probably make sense because those who are not firearms owners, and I'm generalizing, but by and large, the people who are not firearms owners, 
absolutely nothing about firearms. So it might not surprise anybody that they would say, oh, well, yeah, I bet that makes sense. Well, not to us. Yeah, they know little to nothing. Little to nothing is actually um, a, uh, a, being a bit generous um, <laughs> because people, non firearm owners, actually know less than nothing. Uh, because what they know is from Hollywood films, and the uh, and the other the other thing is is that they believe that Canada's gun laws are the same as U.S. gun laws, and that the guns that are allowed in the U.S. are also allowed here, and they really because and and it's all because of the you know government and political parties. And the mainstream media really um, purposefully misleading the Canadian public. And, it, and I actually find it kind of uh, fascinating that only 2 million Canadians out of 38 million, only 2 million own guns. And we live in a, a pretty rural country. Yeah, that's a good point. And... Um... Yeah, I think you're probably probably right. It is a little generous to say that the the little to nothing knowledge. And I got to give the RCMP credit for being kind of cold on the gun grab, but it's not of course because they want to defend our our rights or as as gun owners. It's because the RCMP feels that you know uh, going around the country and taking guns away from lawful gun owners will divert resources away from fighting crime. Now, fiscal conservative that I am, I have some numbers for you, Canada. $756 million is the price that the government has estimated would be the cost of of compensation for firearms. I don't know where they get that number from because there's no official firearms registry. There is for handguns, and there has been since 1931, I believe. But I don't know where they get this, this figure from. They're probably just pulling it out of the air unless they've been tracking our, our long gun purchases since the scrapping of the registry in 2012. I don't know. But at any rate, there was a professor from Simon Fraser University who had said that $756 million is essentially a drop in the bucket because that would just be the cost of the firearms. But the admin and the staffing costs could be anywhere between $1.2 and $6 billion. Dollars, and we thought the long gun registry was expensive. Wow, that's quite a range 1.2 to 6 billion. Yeah, exactly. Isn't it huge, eh? Okay, so we'll just assume that it's going to be 10. Yeah, <laughs> and so 10, 10 billion to actually operate the program, and not even a billion in actually buying the guns back. Now, or let me let me rephrase that. Less than a billion in buying the guns. Um, now, I think that it's a number that was they they pulled out of their butt uh, because, like you said, there is no long gun registry in this country. Uh, they it's it's kind of a uh, Probably a, a bit of a guess, although all the all of these guns are imported, 
So they they would have some kind of records of how many of these guns have been imported into the country. Um, but that, I think that that number is probably assuming that 100% of the guns are going to get turned in. And that's just not the case. I mean, most, almost every single gun owner I know that has one of these firearms that's been banned uh, has told me they're not turning them in. No, and honestly, uh, mine were all lost in a boating accident, so I, I don't even have them to turn in. <laughs> but see, the, the, now the thing is, the reason that nobody is planning on turning them in, and, it, and it, a lot of it has to do with the fact that, that they, you know, they're like, why, would, why should I have to hand in my, my weapons when I'm not the problem? When legal, licensed, RCMP-vetted firearm owners are not the problem, but the criminals don't have to turn them in. And, uh, and the other issue is, is that they believe that once the conservatives are elected, they're going to reverse the gun ban. And uh, I, I think that that would happen. I just don't know that the conservatives are going to win. True, yeah, and we uh, well, we'll talk about that in our uh, election segment. And for uh, listeners out there who think that Lewis is being hyperbolic when he says the program will cost ten billion, back in nineteen ninety five, when the Long Gun Registry was first introduced, the government said it would be two million dollars at the most, and it cost over two billion. So by no means is Lewis being hyperbolic here. There's a good chance I'm low too. Oh, yeah. Now, that $756 million estimate, and this number comes from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, that would hire 1,200 police officers for five years. I got a funny feeling that would be a better crime-fighting tool than taking guns from legal gun owners. Yeah, or how about beefing up border security to prevent uh, illegal weapons from being smuggled into Canada, which is the real problem. Absolutely it is, yeah. And you're right, that would go an awful long way to either hiring more border services agents or simply revamping our border policies. Yeah, I mean, the Nova Scotia shooter, his, his guns, were in, were, he bought them in the U.S. and smuggled them back into Canada because he could not buy guns in Canada. So, yep. I mean, this is, that's where we need to focus our, our, our money and attention is on strengthening our border security and border patrols so that uh, illegal weapons aren't smuggled into the country. Yeah, you know, and it's funny that Bill Blair um, actually did well, kind of admit that. He actually was willing to admit there was a problem at the border. Yet, in the next breath in the interview, this was a few months back, in his next breath in that same interview, he just said, well, we need to fix problems at the border, but at the same time, we need to take guns from legal gun owners. I mean, he didn't say it that way, but that was effectively what he said. Yeah, and I I really don't understand that mentality. I mean, I I had a... I was at a barbecue last weekend, and... um, I got into a pretty heated discussion with one of the other uh, people, one of the other attendees. Um, 
because uh, I said that I could not wait for a federal election because it's like we need to get rid of this government. It's, you know, the most corrupt government in Canadian history. And there's just no way you can possibly argue that, uh, that they're, you know, trampling on our, our rights. And this other attendee said, what rights are they trampling on? And I said, where do you want to start? <laughs> I said, I said, let's start with, you know, you're not allowed to travel anywhere. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that can't go out without a mask all these things that over the past year and a half that they did uh i said and and then when we had a a mass shooting out in nova scotia they used it as an opportunity to go after perfectly legal guns that have actually never killed a single person in canadian history um despite the fact that the guns used in that shooting were smuggled in from the U.S., they were not bought in Canada because our gun laws prevented the shooter from buying guns in Canada. And he said to me that anything that uh, deters gun culture is a good thing. Oh. Yeah. And I said, really? Do you know that firearms owners in Canada are 300% less likely to commit a crime than a non-firearms owner in Canada? Like, what is wrong with gun culture? Yeah. There's a difference between gun culture and violence culture. There are two different things. Or crime culture. Those are different things. Guns, absolutely. I mean, guns, you and I know we're both got firearms on us. Guns are fun. And used in a responsible manner, you can have an entertaining afternoon with guns and nobody gets hurt. And in fact, in Canada, it's extremely rare. With 20 million guns in this country, it is extremely rare that someone ever gets hurt or killed by a gun that was legally purchased and is in the possession of a legally licensed RCMP vetted firearms owner. Yeah, and I'm glad you added that on there, that the the legal firearms community, because absolutely, they are the safest demographic in the country. Absolutely. And and one of the reasons why, you know, Canadian firearms owners are so likely to not commit a crime is because as soon as we do, all our guns are taken away from us. Like people yeah. have to understand this. Like, like for non-firearms owners, you have to understand Canada's gun laws are extremely strict, and they are strictly enforced. And this isn't our our gun laws and the American gun laws are nowhere near the same, not even close. Like for all intents and purposes, the U.S. gun laws are the wild, wild west compared to us. Like, we are extremely strict and they are strictly enforced. Like, it's it's 
not easy being a firearms owner in Canada. No, absolutely not. And uh, what else is not going to be easy to be in Canada if Bill C-36 goes through is outspoken. Now, the RCMP, who had mentioned they were all in for Bill C-36, and you had sent me this article, so I'll let you go on this one. What bothered me was the one line that they said it would be easier to follow through to conviction with C-36. Yeah. That scared scared me enough right there. Yeah, and the thing is is that the the thing that you have to remember about um, a couple of things. One, the RCMP and like the uh, Canadian Coalition of Police Chiefs, I think is what it's called, um, which is uh, you know it's it's the organization that represents all the all the the police chiefs across the country. Uh, the thing you have to remember about both of those groups, the RCMP as a whole, and the Police Chief Association, is that they're very political, extremely political. And the other thing you have to remember is is that the police are not there to protect you from government. They are not there to enshrine your rights. They're not there to make sure that nothing bad happens. They're there, they're there to solve the crime. They're not there to stop it. They are uh, not there to make sure that your rights and freedoms are protected. That's not what they're there for. They're there to solve crimes. And what happens is that, and this is something I've, I've said for a long, long time, is that if, if the RCMP or the Police Chief Association uh, says that they need this new tool to solve crimes, then we should probably oppose it because it's probably going to infringe on our rights or trample on our freedoms and uh, because whatever you know it, it is that they're talking about makes being you know makes solving crime much 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 easier because they've got uh, uh, because you know you your, your privacy is no longer private um, and uh, they're able to track you and stuff like this. Um, that's, that's the kind of stuff that the police actually would like to see because it makes their job easier. And so when Bill C-36 comes out with these new hate crime rules and the RCMP are like, yeah, we want it because we'll be able to actually get all the way through to a prosecution with it. Um, that's kind of scary because when the bill is the bill is targeting speech and but the thing is is that the bill is is doesn't really uh, talk a whole lot about specifics what specifically what speech is not allowed it's it's you know hurt feelings you know, it's stuff like that, that, that anything the government doesn't like and deems uh, hateful or damaging. And that could be anything. And liberals, liberals love that. 
yeah, because it's whatever they define as offensive. And that's what worries me is that they'll consider anything that's opposition speech to be offensive and harmful speech. And we have a charter right to our freedom of expression. And Bill C-36 tramples all over that charter right. And you're right. The police aren't there to defend our rights. That's what we have lawyers for. But we shouldn't have to have lawyers to monitor our own speech to make certain it's not hate speech so that the government won't come after us. No, you're absolutely correct. Uh, the problem is, is that with if Bill C-36 comes into play, we're all going to have to have lawyers on retainer. Sadly, yeah. And, and you're not going to have shows like Canadian Common Sense anymore because we've already discussed it. If Bill C-36 comes in, uh, and gets passed by the Senate, then uh, we're shutting this podcast down because it's we we can't we can't afford to be charged or fined or prosecuted or anything for for the things that we say on this show. And it's and we're not even saying anything outrageous. No, exactly. So it's uh, it's scary, and then I guess you know because you put it that way. Yeah, I understand now why the RCMP would be would be all in for it. It's just, uh, it's really sad. It's really sad because if the liberals win the next election and we'll actually, we'll get into that segment right after this, uh, you know, C 36 will become law. So, yeah, yeah so, I mean, it, 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 it won't become law right away because, uh, with the new parliament, they have to start all over again. So right. we'd, we'd still be a, at least a few months of, of, away from uh, having to deal with it again, but we would have to deal with it again pretty soon. Yep, exactly. All right. So speaking of that election, there is election fever across, well, a little bit of Canada. Nova Scotia is going to the polls uh, August 17th. Now, again, we've seen it with other pandemic elections what is now uh, currently a minority liberal government in Nova Scotia gunning for a majority and I realized that liberal leader Ian Rankin was only installed uh, just a few short months ago so in that way it makes sense to push for a mandate but to me this smacks of opportunism who the hell has an election in the middle of summer yeah I, yeah, I mean, anybody who doesn't want a high voter turnout, that's, that's you. Good point. You want to talk about voter suppression. <laughs> yeah, well, and they're encouraging early voting and mail-in voting, if that tells you anything. Of course they are. Because, isn't it a strange thing how lefties in Canada, the U.S., everywhere, they're, they are like... And they're be, they're rabid about this mail-in voting. I mean, they're just absolutely going nuts for it. Like they're insisting on it. This, if you didn't know better, you'd think this was the number one issue on the planet right now. Oh yeah, they love it, and uh, and you're gonna love this, my friend. Um, speaking of the woke brigade, which I mentioned in the opening of the show, yeah. The, They've decided to go woke in their their candidate slates, and not just the Liberal Party of Nova Scotia, but the PCs and the NDP. Liberals have currently nominated 54 candidates, and there's going to be 55 seats in the Nova Scotia legislature, by the way. 
Of the 54 liberal candidates, 31 are women and people of diverse backgrounds. I don't know what that means. I'm just quoting from the from the website. The PCs have nominated 52 candidates, 27 of whom are women or diverse backgrounds. NDP has so far nominated 48 candidates, and they win the woke Olympics. 31 of those candidates are women, three are gender diverse, and four are quote racialized. So I just have to point this out for everybody, Canada, that possibly the most woke of all in Nova Scotia must be current Premier Ian Rankin because he, as a white man, is seems to be above any kind of uh, this woke scrutiny, and his candidacy has gone through. He's passed the woke test. Wow. Yeah, isn't it funny how it's always um, white people in the leadership claiming that uh, they have to be more woke and they have to be more inclusive and everything, but yet they won't step aside for someone of a diverse background to take their place. Absolutely hypocritical, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's hilarious because they think they're the only ones that can make sure that these, uh, that diversity is enforced. Yep. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. um, which, which, which is what makes them racist, sexist, homophobic all those things that you want that that they like to call everyone else because if you think you're the only one that you know you're you're not it's like these uh it's like the the people that that uh uh advocate for for uh declining populations they you ask them, okay, well, if you if you're so in favor of culling the herd, uh, why don't you step forward <laughs> and yep. offer yourself up for that? Because oh. they they never will. They never will because they believe they're too important and too, you know, that they're the only ones who are going to be able to uh, to do the job. Yep, exactly right, and. Uh... Speaking of doing the job, it's looking more and more now like for certain we will be going into a early fall election federally. Now, I'm going to predict what the Liberal Party of Canada's campaign slogan will be in a moment. You had sent me an article with it this morning, that post-millennial article you had sent, that says the Liberal Party is now hiring campaign directors across the country? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so you know that the the election's going to be called any, you know, really soon. And I, I predict that it's going to be called by, uh, I believe it was August 22nd. I said to you in a text message that I believe that they would, um, that they would, uh, uh, call the election on August 22nd because the U S border will open on August 21st. So the U.S. border will open on August 21st. The liberals will gay, will say, look, look what we did. We're calling an election on August 22nd. And 35 days later will be the election uh, in September. Um, because there's provincial elections in October and November 
uh, I believe. So it's got to happen in September. Yeah, it's municipal elections in Alberta in October and Quebec in November. Now, they've actually bumped up the uh, the U.S. border opening. That's going to be August 7th now. We'll get to that no, in another no, segment actually, as well. That's actually that's, incorrect. That's not fully open. That's right. Yeah. It's it's for uh, Canada. Canada will open the border to the U.S., to Americans coming into Canada. But the Americans have extended their border closure to Canadians until August 21st. Right. That's how it works. Yeah, that's so right. Canada, Canada is going to allow Americans to enter, but the Americans will not allow Canadians to enter. Yeah. So now um, Justin Trudeau telegraphed this when he was... Uh, on making the uh, child care announcement, or there was an agreement on a on a, on child care funding in Nova Scotia, oddly enough, just before the election call, what a coincidence. And Justin Trudeau very deliberately at the end of his speech looked right at the camera, and this was running on the ticker underneath the on the bottom of the screen when he looked and said, that's, and he raised his voice, real change that you can count on. I think that's their slogan for the election. Wow, that's cheesy stuff. Um, is it ever? Yeah, because where has this change been the last uh, the last six years or the last well, five years? It's been real change, but it's been horrible, horrible. Well, I mean, it's yeah, it's been it's been horrible change. Um, I guess it's change you can count on because anytime the liberals change anything in Canada, it does go wrong. And it is yeah. horrible. So you can always count on it being bad. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> but, but you, know, you know what? You're probably right. That is going to be the slogan. I was, I was thinking the slogan was going to be Build Back Better, but um, that uh, real change that you can count on. Wow. You know, six years in, you shouldn't be promising change anymore. That's a good point, because he certainly promised a lot of change. Uh, remember, Canada, 2015 was going to be the last election under the first-past-the-post system. Well, that quickly went out the door. Well, yeah, because uh, he wasn't going to get what he wanted, so he took his ball and went home. Yep, exactly. So, yeah. all right, so I want to go down the road with our woke brigade just a little bit more here, because... Yeah. This early into her tenure, as fact, I don't think she's even been sworn in yet. Already, six hundred plus complaints to the official languages commissioner that newly appointed, and I think I'm not sure she's even been officially sworn in, Governor General Mary Simon, because she doesn't speak French, and the ethic or the official languages commissioner has been compelled to open up an investigation already. Yeah, I don't know what. I don't know why you need an investigation. Do you speak French? No, I do not speak French. Okay, there's there. I've done the investigation. <laughs> uh, what? I mean, she's planning on learning it. So, like, she's taking classes already to learn how to speak French. Um, I mean, what's wrong with having an interpreter? Well, for, I mean, for especially early on, and to be fair, the Official Languages Commissioner is actually investigating the Privy Council to make certain that they didn't do anything wrong in their process, uh, the selection process. But 
you are absolutely 100%. She has committed herself to learning French. She has already begun the process. So why don't we give her a break and let her actually, you know, start speaking the language before we start jumping all over her? Yeah. I mean, let's let's get real. I mean, I, I can almost guarantee you that of the 600 complaints, 599 of them are from Quebec. Um, oh, probably. So, but the thing is, is that I want to, um, you and I have, have already, when we heard about Mary Simon getting the job, you and I both, you know, agreed that, that she is worthy of the job and we aren't thrilled with her ties to the Trudeau family or to CBC, but if you look at her resume, she she you know she is a worthy candidate and to be selected i you and i can't complain about it you and i both both said that already like we're we we want to give her a chance yeah i i believe she'll do a good job she's not the kind of person who is going to uh treat it like a uh uh like a nuisance like the last one, like yeah. Julie Poyette did. I mean, she she treated the job like like she didn't want it, like she was forced into it. Um, I I, don't, I think everybody should cut Mary Simon some slack and let her let her do the job. Yep, I agree with that. And what I don't agree with, and it actually made me laugh there are defenders for of of mary simon well and you and i are defending her but not like this there are people that have said if we force mary simon to learn french she will then speak two colonial languages oh good god (laughs) oh this colonial stuff like it's so evil you know Go to hell. Like, <laughs> colonial, you know, Britain expanding their empire around the world, and France doing it, and the Spaniards doing it, and the Romans did it, and the Vikings did it, uh, the Chinese did it, the Mongolians did it, the Japanese did it, everybody did it. Everybody did it. The Egyptians, the Persians, everybody did it. Like this whole colonial, quote, like in quotation marks, the colonial, uh, you know, words being attached to things that are bad. Like as soon as you say anything colonial, it's bad. It's evil. It's like if you feel that way, then. Why do you live here? Like, maybe if you if you feel that Canada has been that evil and that bad, then why don't you move back to the motherland? You've probably never been anywhere but Canada. But why don't you go and if you have if your descendants from England, why don't you go to England and then decide if you want to come back to Canada or not. Yep. Like, like the, the, the people that 
bitch and moan about how evil and bad Canada has been over the past 250 or 300 years, you need to travel a bit. You need to get out of this country when all this COVID stuff is over. Get out of this country and go travel. See the world and see what a wonderful country you come from. And maybe you'll stop bitching and moaning about Canada. Well, you'd think that. But what do we say on this show? (laughs) There's more. The latest in the woke olympics the latest event i should say we are now renaming plant and animal species to rid those species of colonial names or offensive names like the gypsy moth for example you can't say gypsy because that objectifies and demeans the romanians yeah i know i read this they're (laughs) they're they're reviewing all the names that we have for birds yes <laughs> it's like you'd think that you know so like the past year and a half that we didn't have a pandemic or something like <laughs> like there isn't like there aren't bigger problems like well, this is like i'm just getting so sick and tired of all this crap i really am like i i i don't even know what to say about it anymore because it's so ridiculous and so stupid that you know these that that people who have nothing better to do or who who live in their parents basement and they're 35 years old and they don't have a girlfriend or don't have a boyfriend because the opposite sex doesn't find them attractive or they can't get a better job because they're they're too stupid i mean because really, if this is the kind of stuff you're worried about, you really are too stupid. <laughs> well, so I mean, like, like these people, these low status people that that think that they've that you know they they get a little bit of a taste of power and they become the bullies. They were the bullied in high school, and now they're becoming the bullies, and that's what this kind of crap is from. That's what renaming birds are gypsy moths or whatever all these things that's where this stuff comes from it comes from these losers that that have nothing better to do do you want to tell me how you really feel about that (laughs) (laughs) that was good Um, well but it's true it's true they're all losers oh it it is so true yeah, and, and 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 there's more, my friend. Oh my God, <laughs> there's more. <laughs> the government of Canada, our great, wise, omniscient government, is now looking for a way to fast track the settlement into Canada of quote human rights defenders from around the world end quote. Who are these human rights defenders they're, they're referring to exactly? You're going to love the political slant on this one. Journalists, LGBT activists, and women's advocates. Who do you think they would vote for if they were here, Lewis? Uh, I'm going to say liberals. So no wonder they're in such a hurry to get these human rights defenders out of those countries and into Canada because, after all, I mean, they're defending human rights. They deserve to be here. 
Yeah, I just, you know, I have no problem with bringing people in from other parts of the world. I, immigration is a necessity. I have no problem with it at all. What I have a problem with is bringing people into this country who, who are only going to ruin what we've got. And generally, these, you know, advocates are, well, they're, a lot of these advocates are what I described earlier. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not saying all of them are because some of them are totally legit and great people. But advocates in general are what I described earlier. And well, yeah, you could take the word advocate and put in activist because that's really what, what this government wants is they want more left-wing activists. Yeah, activists. And I, like they're just they're, they're just poison. Yeah, and you know what's sad is the group of people that absolutely need to be fast-tracked into Canada yesterday that this government is continuing to drag its feet on are Afghan interpreters who helped the Canadian forces in the Afghan war. Because now that the Taliban is, is marching through and taking over Afghanistan again, those people's lives are in serious danger. And our oh, government yeah. has done nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And on a side note, way to go, Biden. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, like, I don't even know why this is so hard for the government to actually come through on. I mean, these, these are allies. Like, get them over here. Well, exactly. Like, there was a there was a general on. Uh, well, actually, I don't know if he was a general, but he was from from the armed forces. Was talking with Roy Green on the weekend, and he was saying, if we can resettle fifty thousand Syrian refugees at the drop of a hat, there's no reason we can't bring these interpreters and their families to Canada. And I can't help but agree with him. Yeah, and it's it's insane that they're dragging their feet. Like, why don't you want to bring them over here? Because they're not well, going to vote for you? Like, I, I don't understand this. Well, but, I wonder if that's the part of the case, because there was one that uh, one interpreter, Roy Green, was interviewing, and he had said he actually contacted Justin Trudeau's office, and the reply was, well, feel free to apply. Um, we mean apply. Just get them the hell over here. Yeah, they're refugees. Like They are. They get them over here. It's it's the same as uh, refugees from from like communist dictatorships. Like you, our government, the American government, they don't want them to come over. Like like the Americans are even telling Cuban refugees to stay home. If you come by water, we will send you home. You will be picked up and dropped back off in Cuba. I like, heard that. And that's yeah. because, and that's because, all these people who are lit, trying to escape communist dictatorships, they get over to the U.S. and Canada, and they see that what the left is trying to do is exactly what they just escaped, and so they don't, they won't vote for the left, for liberals or NDP. They're not going to vote for these people because they just escaped the policies that these people are trying to push in Canada. Yep. 
Exactly right. And that's why in Miami, it's like 85 or 90% of Cubans in, in uh, Florida vote Republican. Yep, that was right. It was largely the Cuban vote that uh, that that swung Florida for Trump in the last election, actually. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So all right, Canada, we're coming up on our time here, so we'll probably wrap it up on that. Ideally, we could import a bunch of Cuban freedom fighters to our own country and take on the woke brigade here, but since I don't see that happening, we will just continue to march on our own beat. <laughs> so yeah. until next time canada thank you for tuning in and we will talk to you soon it's tony in saskatchewan and lewis out here in bc good night good night canada and Tony.